That chat is brought to you by Walters. Watch UFC 288 this Saturday night at Walters, just across the street from the ballpark as UFC Bantamweight champion Aljamain Sterling takes on Henry Cejudo. Go to waltersdc.com slash events to reserve your space now and receive a $5 beer wall card. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now the set, here's the pitch. Thomas swings and hits it high in the air to left center field. Hap going back, way back to the warning track, at the wall, going, going, and gone, goodbye! Bang! Zoom goes Lane Thomas with a three-run home run here in the bottom of the second inning. The one-two. Suzuki bounces one up the first baseline. It's a fair ball behind the bag. Smith takes it himself for the unassisted out, and that retires the Cubs in the top of the seventh. Three up and three down for the sixth time in seven innings for Patrick Corbin. Two out, two runs home, a runner at second, the tying run, and the pitch. Swing and a ground ball right side, through to right field, a base hit. Thomas is charging, rounding third, breaking for the plate, Mancini, and the throw will go to second base. The Cubs have tied the game. First pitch to Alice Cole, swung on and hit deep to left, down the line, toward the corner, way back, going, going, and gone! Goodbye! It's a game-winning walk-off home run for Alex Cole on the first pitch from Brad Boxberger. I always beg for the three-run homer. You know, today we got one, you know, right? And then we got a big one at the end there, so just keep it going. I'm proud, I'm proud of these guys. And welcome to Nats Chat for Friday, May 5th. 2023 Cinco de Mayo 2023 the Cervezas are flowing if you're a Nationals fan a 4-3 walk-off win over the Chicago Cubs at Nationals Park on Thursday afternoon to take three of the four games in the series uh, I'm Al Galdi host of the Al Galdi podcast Mark Zuckerman is off for this installment of the pod but I'm very happy to be joined by the architect of this podcast the mastermind of this podcast Tim Shovers and Tim the Nats have won four of their last five games. The Nats now are nine and seven since their four and eleven start. Now are twelve and twelve since their one and six start. We can slice and dice the record however we want, but the bottom line is that the Nats, at least right now, are playing like a decent, respectable, competitive team. A far cry from what we saw for so much of last season. I mean, if you're a Nats fan, I know you may not be thrilled with the overall state of things, but it's hard not to like what we're seeing right now. Yes, this has been very, in relative terms for the Nationals, in a very exciting time. A winning homestand right on the heels of a winning road trip. 
you know, the homestand started off so terribly, right? You know, you have bad weather, and then they get swept on Saturday and Saturday night. But then, as you said, they win the four of the final five. And uh, look what happened, Al. That 9-7 and seven mark you mentioned, that first game was the Sunday win over Cleveland. So... They put Stone Garrett in the lineup on that afternoon, and the whole season turned around. Stone Garrett is the key. Who the heck knew? Check out our new website, NatsChatPodcast.com. You can listen to previous installments of the podcast. You can order yourself a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt. You can also always email the show, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com, including if you would like to sponsor the podcast. You can sponsor shows for individual games, individual series. We could do all kinds of things for you. You can email Tim again at NatsChatPodcast.com at gmail.com. Well, there was so much to this game on Thursday afternoon. First of all, how about the fact that the game lasted for less than two hours, one hour, 55 minutes. Boy, is the pitch clock making an impact. This really is something. I mean, sub three hour games were rare. If you're a Nats fan these last few seasons, we got a sub two hour game on Thursday afternoon. Not only that, Al, the top of the eighth and top of the ninth did not go very quickly. Those were slow innings. Bottom of the ninth lasted one pitch, but it did slow down. It looked like we were going to have flirting with an hour 40, something like that. So, uh, yeah, this pitch clock is unbelievable. It's the best thing that's happened to baseball in a long time. It's such a breath of fresh air. And when baseball is played crisply and briskly, it is – such a better sport than what we slogged through the past few years. I mean, as much as fun as, as this victory was, we probably, in the grand scheme of things, should enjoy the sub-two-hour game even more. It is really good for the health of the sport. It's been awesome to see. I mean, a sub-two-hour game, that was the kind of thing you saw in the 1920s, okay? Like when Walter Johnson was pitching for the Washington Senators, you had sub-two-hour games. When everyone in the stands was wearing a nice suit or a nice dress, you had sub-two-hour games. So yeah, really good to see the pitch clock system having the impact that it's having. But yeah, really good to see the Nats playing as well as they are here right now. And a walk-off victory, Alex Call. I mean, go figure, right? Alex Call entered his final plate appearance of the game, one for 15 in the series. Make that two for 16. Bottom of the ninth, a first pitch leadoff walk-off home run that essentially hugged the left field foul pole. The homer was off Cubs reliever Brad Boxberger, and the homer gave the Nats a win. I mean, the homer only went a projected 364 feet per stat cast, but you know, this is how it goes, right? The guy who hasn't done much in the series has been called upon to bunt in the series. We certainly have talked about that on this podcast. Alex Call answering the call with that great walk-off home run. And that happened off what was a crazy top of the ninth inning for the Nationals. I mean, we could do a whole show on what went on with the Nationals' bullpen in this game. Only two relievers ended up being utilized because, oh yeah, Patrick Corbin had a great start. We'll get to that. But you had Hunter Harvey pitching for a third consecutive game. You had Kyle Finnegan pitching for a third consecutive game. And Finnegan, for a second consecutive game, got in some trouble and then got out of the trouble. Kyle Finnegan, top of the ninth, issued a leadoff walk of the in half, then gave up a double of Seiya Suzuki off the left field warning track. So the Cubs had runners on second and third, nobody out, game tied at three. You said, okay, the Nats are going to be lucky if they only give up a run, maybe even only give up two runs in this top of the ninth. Instead, the Nats gave up zero runs. Finnegan generated back-to-back swinging strikeouts of the Cubs' numbers five and six batters, Cody Bellinger and Patrick Wisdom. And then Finnegan got Trey Mancini to fly out for the third out and the very next pitch of the game was the Alex Call walk-off home run. But a ninth inning on Thursday afternoon. 
For those who didn't watch the game live, cannot express to you how impossible it felt that Finnegan was going to escape that top of the ninth without giving up a run. It was second and third right away, no outs, heart of the order coming up. This is after Hunter Harvey really struggled in the top of the eighth. It was clear that the bullpen you know, was running on fumes. It's the seventh game in the past six days because of the doubleheader on Saturday. There's no off day coming up as they're about to go cross country. And it's just seemed inevitable that this game was going to be four, five, or six to three in the blink of an eye. Not only does Finnegan get out of it, but what about Davey Martinez calling for zero intentional walks with first base open? You thought maybe with Bellinger. They go for the strikeout. He gets the strikeout. Now Wisdom comes up. You're thinking, okay, you put Wisdom on. That puts a double play involved. If Mancini hits a ground ball up the middle, you can get out of the inning. Pitches to Wisdom and gets out of it. Then the great catch to end the top half of the ninth inning. The 0-2 pitch. Swing and a pop-up. Shallow right. Garcia chasing. Thomas coming in. Can't see it. Now he does, and he makes the catch to retire the side. I thought he was going to walk Mancini just because of Alaska's on deck, but that was an unbelievable ninth inning out. Well, in honor of Cinco de Mayo, Kyle Finnegan in that top of the ninth demonstrated huevos, shall we say. I mean, I gained a whole new respect for Kyle Finnegan off what we saw over these last two games in this series. And there's no doubt with Finnegan, there still is this, he's either really good or really bad thing with him, but for him to navigate his way out of trouble in each of these last two appearances, I think that says a lot of good things about him and his ability to stay composed and his ability to make pitches when he really has to. You know, Davey Martinez during his post-game press conference on Thursday afternoon really sang the praises of Kyle Finnegan, talked about how he always wants the ball, you know, doesn't shy away from pitching. I can't say enough of what he did. That was impressive, you know, and he's the one guy that's down the bullpen. I always say that the more we use him, the better he feels. When he sits for a while... You know, he comes out and he's not so sharp. Finnegan and Harvey each pitching for a third consecutive game, each pitching on a third consecutive day. How often do you see that for any major league team over the course of the 162? Two relievers in the same game, each pitching on a third consecutive day. And yet we had that in this game. Now, you mentioned Hunter Harvey. He was not at his best in that top of the eighth, but again, pitching for a third straight game. He officially allowed a run, but he in the inning also allowed two inherited runners to score. So Harvey came into the game top of the eighth with runners on first and second, nobody out. Nats holding a 3-0 lead. Yeah, the Nats did blow a 3-0 eighth inning lead in this game. Harvey gave up an opposite field RBI double by Trey Mancini off the right field wall on an 0-2 pitch on a ball that was very poorly played by right fielder Lane Thomas, although uh, Lane had a big blow earlier in the game. We'll get to that. Harvey gave up a one-out RBI sack fly by Miguel Amaya to the left field warning track on a ball that was nearly a big home run that could have totally changed the outlook on this game. And Harvey gave up a two-out opposite field RBI single by Nico Horner through the right side of the infield on an 0-2 pitch to tie the game at three. So, I mean, just so much to that top of the eighth inning when you think about the misplay by Lane Thomas on the RBI double by Mancini, the home run that instead ended up being a sack fly by Amaya, and then Nico Horner with that key single on an 0-2 pitch to knock the game at three. Davey really seemed to go all in. He wanted to win this series by pitching his top two guys three days in a row, and he probably was was hoping to milk an eighth inning out of Corbin, and that almost occurred based upon the way that Corbin was pitching so well. But it's going to be uh, interesting. I mean, he guaranteed that he's not going to pitch either guy on Friday night. So that is one little subplot to follow, by the way, for Friday. 
can Josiah Gray maybe go seven innings, maybe a little bit more, and give the bullpen some help. But uh, Harvey has a well-deserved Friday coming up. Davey has been very aggressive with his bullpen these last few games. And, you know, the Nats are playing well and are in games, and Davey is trying to win games. So, you know, I mean, you certainly can't respect that. But, I mean, you look at what happened in this series. Monday night, three relievers got used. Tuesday night, four relievers got used. Wednesday night, four relievers got used. And then on Thursday afternoon, two relievers got used. But, again, each guy was pitching on a third consecutive day. Hey, are you a law firm partner stuck on an underperforming team while the rest of the competitors are spending big and winning big? Well, unlike Mackenzie Gore and Kate Ruiz, you have options. You don't have to stay on your 60-win team. Nats Chat sponsor Mason Kalfis and his team specialize in placing partners and associates at medium-sized and large law firms in Washington, D.C. and across the country. Mason Kalfis has recruiters in six states and has placed lawyers in more than half of the 100 largest law firms in the United States. While you may be reading doom and gloom from the legal press, many practices are red hot antitrust, IP litigation, white collar litigation, finance and direct lending, and healthcare. Because you are not under a CBA or team control for six years, in fact, staying at a firm too long is often a recipe for being underpaid. Explore your options today with Mason Kalfas. Call Mason today at 202-486-3535. That number again, 202-486-3535. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Holds his hands chest high, brings the leg up and the arm around. And a swing and a miss and a changeup in the dirt. Adams applies the tag, and Corbin just carved up Suzuki with a filthy diving changeup. Four strikeouts through four innings for Patrick Corbin. Patrick Corbin on Thursday afternoon wasn't just good. He wasn't even just really good. He was, dare I say, 2019. Patrick Corbin. What a job by Patrick Corbin in this game. 
on Thursday afternoon. Now, if you know your recent Patrick Corbin history, you know that even in his recent bad seasons, he has had some good outings. It's not like every outing has been wretched, but Corbin on Thursday afternoon pitched like the guy who we saw in that 2019 World Series championship season. He allowed two runs in seven innings, but even that doesn't tell the full story because the two runs that were charged to Corbin came in that top of the eighth with him actually out of the game. So he tossed seven scoreless innings before being charged with two runs in what was a three-run Cubs eighth inning. But Corbin in this game on Thursday afternoon gave up just three hits, all of which were singles. And, you know, that stands out maybe more than anything because a big feature of Corbin's decline over these last three seasons has been him giving up a lot of hits. He only gave up three hits on Thursday afternoon. Corbin on Thursday afternoon, six strikeouts versus no walks. You love that. And Corbin on Thursday afternoon pounded the strike zone. He annihilated the strike zone. He threw 80 pitches, 57 strikes versus 23 balls a strikes-to-balls ratio of nearly two and a half to one. Uh, Who was this guy who we saw on Thursday afternoon? Corbin was really good. 56 pitches through five innings, Al. I mean, I was wondering, like, how deep are we going here? And uh, he seemed absolutely excellent until he hits the heart of the order for their third time through in the top of the eighth, and everything reversed from there. It was really fun to watch. When Corbin is locked in, and I know that we very, very, very rarely get that, but when he is... He is a fun pitcher to watch because, as you said, he pounds the strike zone. Aesthetically, I love watching a left-hander when they're pitching well, kind of like a left-handed jump shooter in basketball. This was a beautiful breath of fresh air. And also, Al, it's funny this sport, how infectious success and failure is. The team's playing better. And now all of a sudden, Patrick Corbin pitches one of his best outings he's had since the pandemic happened three years ago. So when it's going well, it's going well. When it rains, it pours. One of those kind of things with Patrick Corbin. You look at Corbin over his last, say, four starts, and, you know, he's been all right. I mean, he you know hasn't been great, okay? His ERA for the regular season is still well over five, but, you know, he's not pitching at that, like, rock-bottom level we saw over the 2021 and 2022 seasons. And so the fact that he's not pitching at that level is progress. Like, we are seeing a better Patrick Corbin at least so far. But I think what really jumps out is that what we saw on Thursday afternoon was not just, like, you know, solid or not just like, you know, not bad. Like, this was really good. Like, he pitched like an ace. I mean, if Mackenzie Gore pitched as Corbin pitched on Thursday afternoon, if Josiah Gray pitched as Corbin pitched on Thursday afternoon, we're like basically throwing a parade (laughs) on the show. And, you know, we're kind of doing that here right now for Patrick Corbin. So good for him. I mean, you know, we all know he's been really bad these last few seasons, but at least as far as we know, there have not been problems behind the scenes. He has not been a complainer. He has not been a powder. He has continued to make his starts. He has stayed healthy. So I do think if Corbin ever does get back on track truly, or at least gets back to being respectable, and we are a long way from being able to plant that flag, but I do really think that there will be something admirable about that just because he will be coming from such a like bottomless pit. I mean, again, quantifiably the worst starting pitcher in baseball these last two years, if he could somehow come out of that to where he gets back to being decent. I actually think that would be a really cool story, but, you know, ways to go. But he's doing better here lately, and he certainly did well in this game on Thursday afternoon. The Nats right now are asking Corbin to be a fourth starter. Not an ace, not a second starter. They're asking him to be the fourth starter. If he can do that role, which in the grand scheme of things isn't asking much, could be a whole new Patrick Corbin situation. 
Yeah, I mean, you don't need him, and no one is expecting him to ever consistently be what he was, say, in 2019. But, you know, can you just not have an ERA approaching six? You know, can we just do that? Like, if he finishes this season with an ERA in the fours, that's a win. Like, I think most people would sign up for that. I think Mike Rizzo and Davey Martinez would take that in a heartbeat. So it's a low bar. We understand that. It's a new standard. We get that. Uh, It's not what you're paying for, that's for sure. But, you know, that would be improvement. And Corbin maybe possibly can do that. We'll see. Long way to go. I mentioned Lane Thomas having a home run in this game on Thursday afternoon. So, you know, a lot of crazy things to this uh, 4-3 walk-off win over the Cubs. Among them was this. The Nats won the game despite totaling just six hits and no walks. It's not like the Nats were hitting like crazy in this game. And the Nats won this game despite having one at-bat the entire game with a runner in scoring position. The Nats in this game went one for one with runners in scoring position, but that lone hit with a runner in scoring position was a three-run home run by Lane Thomas. Uh, Lane Thomas in what ended up being a Nats three-run second, a three-run home run to left center field for a 3 nothing Nats lead, 408 feet for StatCast. And, you know, that is the beauty of the home run. It's not that you need a lot of hits if you're hitting home runs. And the Nats in this game hit two big home runs. And, you know, you think about Lane Thomas. So he had not hit a home run at all in this regular season. He ended up hitting two home runs in this series. Also had a triple two. But Thomas in the 5-1 loss to the Cubs on Monday night, one for three with a solo home run. This is a guy who had 17 home runs last regular season, now has two this season. You know, maybe the lane train is starting to find his home run stroke. The Nats certainly could use that. Good to see him have a couple of home runs in this series. If he can hit 20 homers, that's a win, you know, from Lane Thomas. And Lane Thomas can do that. As an aside, I don't know how I feel about the home run wig uh, celebration. I like that they're doing something, but I think they could do a little bit better than that. That feels a little elementary. But Lane Thomas is, it's funny, He's been with the team now since August of 2021. Still don't know where he fits in, right? Is he a right fielder? Is he a center fielder? Where should he properly hit in the lineup? He's still a bit of a mystery, but he came up huge this week and especially today, obviously. Yeah, I was thinking about this actually during the game. And by the way, I'm undecided on the wig. I mean, we've only seen it a couple of times. So I want to take it in more before we make a decision. We might have to actually put that out on a Twitter poll on at Nats underscore Chad. But like if, if you are forced to drop Lane Thomas into one of two buckets, and that being he is a piece or he's not a piece, talking about like long term, you know, potential building block. I actually think I would say with Lane Thomas, he's more of a piece than he is a non-piece. Now, you know, what he is as a piece might be on a good team, a fourth outfielder, but he is a capable starting outfielder. We know he has a really good arm, especially for a corner outfielder. He still has an issue with fielding balls near outfield walls. We saw that again in this game on Thursday afternoon on that uh, double that, uh, you know, look, I don't know if it should have been caught. It definitely could have been caught. And that ended up being a crucial play that Trey Mancini opposite field RBI double in the three run eighth inning. But, you know, Lane has some power. Like I said, 17 home runs last regular season. And, you know, with so many Nats, going like ice cold at times so far this year, and then maybe having a few good games and then going back to not hitting much. I think if you had to say who has been the most consistent hitter on the Nats this year, Lane Thomas is in that conversation. Now, he kind of came down a little bit recently, but he's heating back up now. But I think we've seen enough of him to where there is something there. I I guess it's just a question of like how much of a something 
But he's not a nothing. I don't think that. I just think, you know, it may be like he's best suited as a guy on your bench as opposed to an everyday outfielder. But we'll see. I mean, he's getting, like Victor Robles, Thomas is getting ample opportunity in these rebuilding seasons. So the real estate is there for him to do with it as he pleases. So, you know, hopefully he keeps it going here. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi for Window Nation. Some amazing news from Window Nation. You can modernize and reinvest in your home today with new windows from Window Nation, all while capitalizing on Window Nation's best deal of the year. 0% financing for five years. Unheard of. Zero interest for five years. And Window Nation will give you two free windows for every two windows that you buy. Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com and tell Window Nation that you want the deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Protect and increase the value of your home today by taking advantage of this great offer. Again, 0% financing for five years and two free windows for every two windows that you buy. And by the way, that goes for any style of window from Window Nation. And there's no limit. Save thousands of dollars on your new windows and save money on energy bills, all while upgrading the look and feel of your home. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. And make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi sent you. Hey, Nat Chat listeners. Tim Shovers here, producer of the podcast, to tell you about Game Time. Do you struggle sometimes to find tickets to your favorite events? Buying tickets to these shouldn't be stressful. That's why you should look into the Game Time app. It's even harder these days with the lack of paper tickets available on the street. If you're looking for tickets to Nats, DC United, or even the Drake concert this summer, Game Time offers the lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, and job loss protection. Game Time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance, Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account at GameTime.co and redeem code NATSCHAT for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Corbin to the plate. Swing a line drive center field. Call racing over to his right on the go. He dives and he caught it and he holds on. Alex Call sticks the landing. A layout diving catch toward left center field, robbing Swanson. And that's out number one in the top of the seventh. So, yeah, so the Nats get three out of four games in this series. I thought it was interesting. Davey Martinez during his postgame press conference talked about how rebuilding team. Yeah, you know, we can talk about how the season is about seeing how young players do. But I thought Davey did make a worthy point. And I didn't just think that this was like Davey speak or just manager speak. I think there is some validity to this. Winning is the, a big part of that. And uh, the more we can do it, the more these guys can relax and say, hey, you know, we can do this. You know, we can do this together. And so, you know, if you're trying to develop the C.J. Abramses and the K. Barrett Ruizes, even though he wasn't the Nats catcher in this game on Thursday afternoon, but, you know, the Josiah Grays and the Mackenzie Gores, Doing things like winning three out of four games against the Cubs and, you know, having a ninth inning like the Nats had on Thursday afternoon and having a walk-off win, 
there is value in that. There is growth that can come from that. And so I thought that was a good point by Davey. And I do think that there is something to that. I'm embarrassed to say, Al, I just realized while we're taping that they won the series without their two best pitchers, without Gray and Gore. Kind of realized when you said that. To your point about winning with Abrams and, and Garcia, I point to a game from, this is the final few months of the 2021 season. Do you remember the game where Paolo was up 6 nothing early and then the Phillies came back, it was a day game, and Garcia made a couple of bad plays in the field, and the Phillies came back, and you knew, it felt inevitable. You knew the Phillies were going to come back. Now the set and the pitch. Breaking ball and hot on the ground is second. It goes right through Garcia into right field. Two runs are going to score on the play. Where I'm going with that is, is that now you trust Luis Garcia, and as you said, Abrams up the middle, to make the plays late in the game to come through. It takes a while to start winning, and now we're seeing the fruit born from what was a terrible, boring, impossibly long and slow 2022 is yielding results here in early May of 2023. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it has to be an either or to where you're like, okay, it's all about winning or it's all about development. Like you can value both in a season like this one for the Nationals. I guess my outlook has always been your like guiding light your North Star should be the rebuild and it should be the development of guys. But that doesn't mean that you completely just ignore winning. It doesn't mean that you don't try to win. And that doesn't mean that there isn't value in winning. Like, of course there is. And, you know, the two things in theory go hand in hand. Like if guys are doing well, then chances are you are going to be winning some. And if you're losing a lot, then that probably means that, you know, your young pieces aren't doing so well. I wanted to make mention of this because you're at Nats Park a lot and, you know, you have a really good feel for the Nationals fan base. So the announced attendance for this game on Thursday afternoon, 18,577. You know, we have a ways to go in this season. We'll see what happens with the Nats from an attendance standpoint. But the expected cratering of crowds at Nationals Park so far this season really isn't happening. Now, again, I guess it is all about like what you expected versus what we're seeing. But coming into Thursday, the Nationals were 19th out of 30 major league teams in average home attendance this season, 19,572. That's not great, but you know, you're essentially in that middle of the pack territory, despite this team being expected to be a 100 loss team, or at the very least, something close to that. And you know, you think about, we are still only in early May, so schools are still in session. And, you know, no one went into this season with sky high hopes for the Nats. I actually would say from an attendance standpoint, so far, so good. Like we're not seeing embarrassing attendance numbers for the Nats. Now, there have been some games in which you have seen like a lot of empty seats. But I would say like a month plus into the season, I actually think this is a credit to baseball fans in D.C., a credit to Nationals fans that the Nats are drawing respectable crowds, at least announced crowds at Nationals Park. Al, I'm glad you highlighted this. I would agree with it. A few things work in the Nationals' favor. Being in a transplant city like D.C., you know, a Thursday afternoon crowd with the Cubs. Think of how many Cubs fans live within 30 miles of Nationals Park. And then also another thing that I think people who maybe listen to this podcast but don't go to Nationals Park often might not realize just how many people live within a half-mile radius of the stadium. I mean, we are talking a lot of big apartment buildings that, oh, by the way, are not very cheap to live in. So there's another factor there. But you know, pay attention to the summer attendances, especially on Saturday nights this year. 
Nationals Park is just a fun place to be on a Saturday evening. There's good ballparks and there's bad ballparks, and I'll put Nationals Park up against most ballparks in terms of going on an average game. And I think a lot of people know that, Al, and locals respect that. And so because you don't have a negative ballpark situation like other cities, that is why these attendances have not cratered and been more stabilized. Yeah. And, you know, obviously this will be put to the test truly if the Nats do end up being really bad and you're in the dog days of August and, you know, people are on vacation and getting ready for school. And, you know, we'll see what attendance figures are then. You know, we'll see what happens come September. But for now, I think the Nationals as an organization, I think Nats fans have a lot to be proud of in terms of the attendance numbers that the team is generating. And You know, you mentioned uh, how expensive it is to live in that immediate area. I think that's something else, too, to keep in mind. The Washington, D.C. area is a rich area. And when I say rich, what I mean is you have a lot of disposable income in the D.C. area. So not just the city of D.C., but, you know, you think about counties like Montgomery County, Maryland and Fairfax and Loudoun County in Virginia. And you also have a lot of advertising dollars in this area. I mean, the Washington, D.C. market is a top 10 media market. And so, you know, with this money, you're going to have people who, you know, are looking for things to do with that money. And so going to a baseball game can be one of those things. And so I think that that's something that really helps to fortify this area as a baseball area. Like, I don't worry anymore about Washington, D.C. having to like prove itself as a baseball town. You know what I mean? Like when people talk about, well, you lost the Senators twice. Washington, D.C., the D.C. area was a very different place when the Senators left this area twice to say nothing of the other circumstances that were ongoing, including an owner in Bob Short, who was, uh, shall we say, not so good. So where we are as an area now is a lot different than where we were, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago. And, you know, again, we'll see what happens with the Nationals' attendance. I'm not trying to, you know, wave the flag of victory here, okay? We're only a month plus into the season. But I think that's worth noting because I think a lot of people, ourselves included, thought, you know, hey, this could get ugly in terms of attendance at Nationals Park this year. So far, that has not been the case. I will give one other bit of insight for the Navy Yard neighborhood for those not familiar with it because I spent a lot of my 20s playing co-ed softball at what is now Ryan Zimmerman Field right by Nationals Park. So, I was on a softball team in a league with a lot of people that work on the Hill and that, you know, live in the Navy Yard area. But I did spend a lot of time socially around people who are transplants that live in Navy Yard. And where I'm going with that is not only is that a very expensive area, but one other thing, there are an abnormal amount of people who are in their 20s and 30s that are making a solid living and don't have children. So when we say that there are, there's a lot of disposable income in that area, even more so because of the unusual nature of the Capitol Hill adjacency to the ballpark. Oh, yeah. I got two small kids, and they are sucking on whatever disposable income (laughs) I have. I can promise you that. So, yeah, very good point in that regard. Well, you tell us what you think. I mean, you are a Nationals fan. You are a Nationals observer. Where do you think we're at as a baseball city? What do you make of the Nats, at least so far, doing well from an attendance standpoint. And oh yeah, the Nats right now doing well from a win-loss standpoint. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the podcast, NatsChatPodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram as well, at Nats Chat Podcast. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. Thank you to Tim Newmark for the Nats Chat Podcast music. Visit timnewmark.com for more information on what Tim Newmark can do for you. 
Mark Zuckerman will be back with us for the next installment of the podcast. For Tim Shovers, I'm Al Galdi. We're going to thank you for listening on this installment of the podcast. But before we go, we're going to leave you with something special. The voice of the AA Harrisburg Senators, Terry Byram, with an update on starting pitcher Jackson Rutledge and a few others in terms of how things are going for Harrisburg. We thank Terry and we thank you for being a part of the Nats Chat Podcast. This is Terry Byram with the Harrisburg Senators Update. Right-handed starter Jackson Rutledge is off to a solid start in AA. Overall, he's 2-1 with a 3.58 earned run average. His last three starts have been his best starts. On April 19th at Akron, he went six innings and allowed two earned runs, five hits, and struck out four. On April 25th against Somerset, he went another six innings. And on May 3rd in New Hampshire, he went six innings of shutout baseball, allowing just four hits while striking out seven and walking two. Rutledge is the Nationals' MLB Pipeline number 11 prospect and Baseball America's number 9 prospect. So far, he's certainly pitched like a top prospect this season. Another prospect, catcher Drew Millis, is off to a hot start. He's batting 386 with a 518 on base percentage and a 1.086 OPS through the first month of the season. He'd be leading the Eastern League in hitting if he had enough plate appearances. As good as he has been offensively, he might be even better defensively. Even with the rules designed to help base running, he's thrown out 8 of 25 base runners. Another newcomer to the Senators, second baseman JT Arruda is off to a good start in his AA career. He has a 388 on base percentage and has stolen 9 bases, which is tied for the second in the league. Overall, the Senators' offense has drawn the most walks in the league and has their highest on-base percentage since the end of the 2017 season. This is Terry Byron with the Harrisburg Senators for the Nats Chat Podcast.